0: Hi, it's Michael Anthony, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Epiphanitis Podcast. I've had a really exhausting week. I I mean, there's no point in denying it. I've been sore. I've been struggling to move at times. My energy is actually pretty good. My energy itself is decent, but uh, what I can do with the energy is limited by this bodily fatigue, And I think it's mostly because I've been riding my scooter around too much. I think I mentioned one of the first scooter trips I took recently during my night commutes for my overnight job. I maybe went a hundred blocks. Maybe it's catching up with me. I don't know. But what I find interesting is that I wasn't really feeling this fatigue, not deeply, until I finished a particular drawing. Uh, There was this flower that I saw in a garden. I took a photo of it, and I just felt so inspired. I started altering the photograph, and then eventually I started seeing in my mind's eye this strange energy field that I wanted to paint around it. So I went in and digitally painted these lines and... And forms that just emanated from the flower in my mind's eye. It was a really intense week in a sense that I I was deeply invested in these very uh, magical thoughts that I think drained me a bit. Because when I finished that drawing, I was so out of it. (laughs) It was, I guess, an orgasmic experience, finishing that drawing. Not that it's the best thing in the world, but the amount of energy and the fact that it was something new for me. It was something I've definitely experimented with drawing on photographs in the past, but this time, there was a certain kind of intention behind it that I wanted to show what I felt when I'm looking at the world. Bringing that subjective experience out into the world in a concrete form, that's that's the evocation at the heart of a lot of art. Yeah. It rhymes, so it must be true. But all of that highfalutin stuff about passion and whatnot, that Sturm und Drang, as they said in German way back, the, all of that is... A bit much at times, isn't it? I mean, I'm inspired most of the time, I think. I have this deep inspiration, this this fire, this inner fire that's constantly burning, uh, sometimes more brightly than other times, but it's always there, and I try to keep it burning as fiercely as possible. But that includes lightening up. I have to lighten up, and I do that all the time, I try to just undermine the gravitas of everything I say and do. At some point, I mean, I just get fed up and I need a laugh. So I try to do that on a regular basis. One of my favorite mantras, I I don't meditate in the traditional sense very often, but I do have something of a mantra. When I find things are getting a little too heavy, I simply blow a raspberry. <laughs> That's what I do. And I haven't been doing that as much lately. Maybe it's because I'm less stressed out, but I definitely, especially at work, will occasionally <laughs> let one rip because you know what? There's nothing that can. How can you take things ultra seriously after you've made your mouth fart? I think that the more you go into that really intense, deep, sometimes dark, sometimes bright place, that place of intense inspiration, epiphanitus, the more you need the humor, the more you need to balance it out with jokes and silliness and crazy voices. How often do you just talk to yourself in crazy voices? You won't admit it, but you do it, and you should do it more often. I do it all the time, and now I'm doing it for you. Now, on principle, I try to avoid dualism, at least really hard dualism, where black is black and white is white, and never the twain shall meet. Now, I try to see things along a spectrum at all times, taking an objective view if possible. Of course, my own opinions will be. Anyway, my point is that this duality, the humor and the gravitas, I try to mix them up. Actually, I don't have to try to mix them up. my I have an incorrigible nature that insists upon just... Plunging headlong into that abyss of inspiration, as soon as it sparks, I, I just, I, I, I'm engulfed in the flames of my passion. I just, I can't help it, but, um, and, and in fact, I have at times uh, developed the habit of avoiding certain kinds of inspiration because I knew that I'd be pulled in too deeply. I'm, I'm doing it right now. A few minutes ago, I was thinking, what am I going to talk about? I mean, really, am I ready? Should I just try this later when I'm feeling really excited? But I got excited because I started talking to you guys. But this duality, the, the humor and the gravitas, my, I call it my spirit, even though I'm an atheist and a materialist, I do believe in energy because energy exists so what i call my spirit instantly starts to push against either seriousness or levity at the drop of a, of a of a stimulus at the drop of a stimulus because i'll suddenly see something amusing and get into the humor head space and then see some glorious sunset and start Pondering the nature of the universe, I do both constantly and at times I feel torn, but I'm glad to say I feel less torn over time. As I mature, my spirit integrates itself and I don't have as much of that strange conflict. Because when you get really inspired, sometimes it's hard to just relax and laugh. It's the opposite of relaxation, but when you really get into this humorous mind space, uh, it's. <laughs> I feel like it's more liberating. It's. I called it a feather in the abyss once. That I wrote a whole essay when I was in college. Nonsense, a feather in the abyss, because I love nonsense, pure nonsense. Lewis Carroll was great, okay? I love Alice in Wonderland. I love the books, I love the films for the most part, but Edward Lear, Edward Lear was the pure nonsense. He wrote uh, The Owl and the Pussycat, uh, The Jumblies, a, a bunch of poems that, but my favorites are the limericks he pretty much pioneered the limerick, not the dirty limerick, but just these very silly images with just nonsensical characters and scenarios. And it was so much fun. And it taps into this childlike pleasure. I, You know what, there's a quote I want to share with you from Edward Lear that I think is highly relevant. One moment, please. All right, I have it pulled up here on my electronic book reader. The uniform, apathetic tone assumed by lofty society irks me dreadfully. Nothing I long for half so much as to giggle heartily and to hop down one leg down the great gallery. But I dare not. Why did you dare not, Mr. Lear? I would have loved to have heard the anecdote rather than the the thought, because I think we should all hop down the great gallery as the sulking masses take seriously everything that should be recognized for the sham that it is. Of course, that's a blanket statement that I'm saying out of a need for catharsis, but I think you get what I'm what I'm trying to say here. It is that very resistance to taking things too seriously that kind of keeps me from watching the news a lot, and I do listen to NPR quite frequently just for the quick updates and some intellectual stimulation, but... Overall, I think a lot that we pay so much attention to, and in this 24-hour news cycle, we're filling our brains up with stuff that I don't think we should be taking quite... I mean, the consequences of some of these things are immense, but I think the ways in which we pay attention to them are a bit counterproductive and overly emotional. And that's all leading up to my thinking about... (laughs) I don't even want to talk about this, but... How am I going to talk about humor now without discussing the recent Roseanne bar fiasco? Roseanne's tweets got her into big trouble, and I (laughs) don't know what to say. I'm not going to get into the specifics because I refuse to be pulled into all the gossip and whatnot, but I think it's worth discussing the general idea of what counts as a joke. When does a joke go too far? I am not the person to define when a joke goes too far. It's a very subjective thing, and we can vote with our support or lack thereof, but I don't believe in censorship, so I think that it's good that everyone can say pretty much anything they want on the internet for everyone to see, because because it's speech. You see, I'm going to have to edit this a lot because I'm not saying anything that uh, I think would get me into a lot of trouble, but it's hard to think this over and to just spew out an opinion because, well, at least for me, and I think it should be harder for more people to spew out opinions on these things because I I think that it snowballs too quickly and that we end up with a mob mentality. I think that Roseanne's joke did go too far, but... I don't know what the consequences should be. The consequences are what they are. The audience has its opinion. The companies in charge of the media have their policies. And if it's your territory, you control your media intake. So you decide what you're going to watch, what you're going to read, what you're going to listen to, what you're going to support. And thank you for supporting me. And then you have these companies that they have a commercial interest and In order to make money, they have to make sure they don't lose too many viewers, and I think that they would really have no problem supporting someone comparing other people to apes um, if it made them money. So let's not forget that either, huh? With all the moralizing. If comparing people to apes would make these companies money, boy, we would see a lot of that on the air. No problem, no complaints. So that's all something to remember, I think. But, uh yeah, sometimes you just have to be careful of what you say. Now, I don't usually get offended easily, but I try really hard not to offend others. I think I have a good sense of what's appropriate to say in front of certain people, and as soon as they say something that's a little more raunchy or off-color, I tend to kind (laughs) of ride that roller coaster with them and just end up saying... Terrible things that I would never repeat anywhere else, Uh, and they're not uh, hateful in any way, but they are uh, really, really just uh, the blue, 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 blue comedy. (laughs) I I love South Park and, and other shows that really do push it sometimes, and sometimes they even offend me a little bit, but I'm not gonna die. But of course, when you're the butt of the joke, it feels different. I try not to censor myself, but I do think about what my words mean and how they might impact others. So I do maybe not try to avoid offending, but I do try to think things over what the implications of my words are, what kind of... Reaction they might elicit because it is a conversation, it's communication. We're communicating with each other, and if we use certain words, there are subtleties in language that we all use, but sometimes lose sight of. Or, okay, when you're comparing people to apes, that's not subtle. But but you know what? This is such a complicated topic, I'm not going to get to the bottom of it right now. But I do have to say one thing that does offend me about this, besides the fact that someone was personally insulted, I understand. But what offends me here is the never-ending pattern of people comparing each other to animals to insult each other. I mean, we are animals, and to say, oh, those people, they're animals, you are too, buddy. I mean, we're all animals, and we all have our advantages and disadvantages, and while the human brain is certainly very impressive and has led to these technologies that we're using right now, it still doesn't make us inherently smarter, smarter. You know, we don't have the same uh, alignment with our instincts because of our complicated brains. We often do stupid things, we're destroying the very source of everything that we're doing such impressive things with. So you have to think just how smart our smarts are. So yeah, I just had to say that. Humans are animals, and using animal metaphors to insult each other, or animal similes even, well, I think it's inaccurate and... A little insulting on the level of of nature and respect for nature, and and we can learn a lot from every animal on this planet. I guess that's all I really have to say for now. You can find me on Patreon, that's Patreon.com/slash/MichaelAnthonyM, on Twitter and Instagram at Grotesquerie, that's Grotesque R I E. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's my social media. Oh, and also on YouTube, because you're either watching or listening. And this is also a podcast and also a video. What? That was not worded very well. Epiphanitis is on iTunes. iTunes and YouTube in varying degrees, mostly on iTunes. But I'm also doing videos for these podcasts at the moment, so let's see how long that goes. I think that the interaction is good, so I'd like to keep it going. So thank you for your likes, comments, and subscriptions on iTunes and on YouTube. I'm going to play you out with a track from The Second Law, my industrial... Goth eclectic music project. This one's called We Venge, and it was recorded in about two thousand three. It's essentially uh, kind of about my feelings about children and animals and how they're misunderstood and have so much to teach us and whatnot. It's not a heartwarming song. It's kind of a playful fantasy about uh, children and animals getting their revenge on all the people who didn't take them seriously. So here they come. Available on iTunes, Spotify, other streaming services, and at thesecondlaw.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, stay inspired. Children They are Nobody thinks about them Nobody cares about them What can they do, whoa, what can they do with their teeth and their claws, with their candy and their toys, they will get their revenge.